Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks, the podcast of Leif Hetland and Global Mission Awareness. Hello, friends, and welcome to Kingdom Family Talks. This is Kaylee Damon, Director of Operations here at Global Mission Awareness, and I am so excited to finally be sitting down with Leif Hetland again. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast together, and we are finding ourselves in a very interesting season Leif, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing okay. I have to be honest with everything that has been going on. It has brought a lot of tears. And so I just, uh, yeah, I'm very, very saddened in my heart, very broken over some of the brokenness. And at the same time, but I've had also some physical pain. So I've had some emotional pain with what is taking place in this nation that I love. And then uh, a little physical pain as I injured my shoulder. And I'm going to actually see a surgeon today to see what we need to plan. So I think that, uh, yeah, I'm a season where uh, I'm weeping a lot, uh, mainly just because uh, there's a lot of things that that is hurt out there. And when the people out there are hurting, I'm hurting with them. Well, we are definitely praying for you for healing, even as you go and see the surgeon. And Kingdom Family, would you please continue to pray with us, too, for Leif's health, the family. We just so appreciate y'all always checking in on us. So something that we love about this podcast, Kingdom Family Talks, is we get to sit at the family table with a wide array of people from around the world and talk about each other's special sauce. And another thing that I love about it is we talk about real, raw, and relevant topics on this podcast. And um, today is no different. Leif, you're known in the Muslim world as the ambassador of love. And there's a reason for that because you went into a place where there wasn't a lot of love and you brought that into those situations. And we are finding ourselves in a COVID-19 season. And just this past week, America's cities are burning down due to racial and political unrest in our country. And today we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about the racial unrest and the season that we're living in in this moment and, and what you can do and how you can pray in this season. So Leif, we filmed a video earlier for to post on your, to post on your social media. And I love the title of the video and it's going to be the title of this podcast. It's called Turning the Other Cheek or Turning the Table. What do you mean by that? I think that when, uh, when all of us as Jesus followers... Our call is to be able to follow in his footstep. There's primarily three things that all believers, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if he is your he is your rabbi, teacher, if he is your spiritual father, if he is your mentor, following and to be like Jesus, and if the world is going to see God like Jesus, number one is, of course, to be with him. And when I'm spending time with him, the one that you're with is the one you become like. As you're being with Jesus, the second level is to become like him. He's showing us when we are journeying with him is to become like him. And the third has to do is learning how to live and love just the way Jesus did. So it is not just what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? And we can see that very clearly because I know I have a tendency, especially being an ambassador of love, coming with a language of love and talking about turning the other cheek and learning about the language of love. And for some people misunderstand, they think that is weakness. All I am trying to do is to share with people that you only have authority over what you love. So if you do not love the people, if you do not love, then you cannot coming in here influence with heaven's realm. And we are supposed to represent now Jesus here on earth as he is in heaven 
And then Jesus, uh, as I'm saying, one other thing that is clear when I start to follow in his footsteps uh, is when there's injustices, he came with justice. And especially people have been marginalized, people that somehow the society overlooked, the prejudice, like if it was the Samaritan woman, or the prejudice, or even that to be around somebody that is a leper. I mean, they are unclean. And Jesus automatically would touch the lepers. He could have spoken a word to heal them, but he touched the lepers. And you see this totally in the lifestyle of Jesus. Yes, Jesus was very, very kind and loving and everything else to the ones that was broken, to the ones that was down. But when it came to another group of people that some of the language he did to some of the elite on the top that was abusing their power, and he then used pretty harsh language, especially about people like the Pharisees and, and Sadducees, the religious and that political spirit. Those are the very ones that brought them to the cross, but many times also the ones that oppress people. And then Jesus, then usually you will find him over and over again standing up for the people. People couldn't understand how could Jesus even eat with those people or be with them. And over and over again, Jesus knew there was a sick people and needed a doctor. And that's why I was very, as I'm asking myself the question, even with a demonstration and everything else, that's why I'm in a conclusion that Jesus will be right in the middle of it. And just like my wife said, as, as we earlier communicated and did uh, a, a video interview with her, but when Jesus is there, he would also influence the environment of a lot of the anger and the rage that was around. Jesus is so full of peace that he will actually also... Uh, bring peace to the people that was around. He brings calmness in the middle of the storm. So there's something about him. And, and, and I think a lot of the tension, and I'm just praying for our government, from our president to a lot of the leadership, because again, it's, that, that's also what we need as much. What would it be if Jesus was in the White House? I asked that question. If he was the president of a nation, what would it look like? What is the rhetoric? What would be... So, so as I'm looking at that, what does it do when somebody betrays you like a Judas? And what does it look like when Jesus washes the feet of the very one that was to betray him? And I actually was thinking that thought last night. I know it's a radical thought. But what would it look like if a Donald Trump would go down and wash the feet of a Nancy Pelosi? When they, all these tension between these different groups, what would it look like? And I'm just... I, I, Jesus is so radical, and then suddenly Jesus tells us to follow in his footsteps. As the Father sent Jesus, he's now sending us. These things are very radical for us that are supposed to be ambassadors of love. So anyway, there's something burning in me as I am. <laughs> there's one thing to be with Jesus, and then you're becoming more like him. But it is that other side that is not just turning the other cheek. It is also the other side when there is injustices to come with justice and to be able to stand up for what you believe. There's a time to be silent, but this is not the time. And Jesus was not silent when it came to injustices because he came also to bring justice. But the way he did it was from a place of love. But sometimes love looks like something, and that is you overturn, you're turning tables. That's what love looks like in that setting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that perspective, and we're going to dive into that. I have several questions for you, but before we get into those questions, I am so curious of your journey growing up, um, because you did not grow up in America, I think. Um, I grew up in the South, and so I grew up knowing racism, hearing it talked about. 
Um, we have an amazing civil rights history here in the South, but you were born in Norway, raised in Norway. So I'm so curious of when you were first exposed to racism and how that changed you and your thought process in growing up. I think that first of all, yeah, I'm very grateful for my upbringing. First of all, my parents, I don't even remember there was anything in a home that there was anything different with people with color in regard to value or, I mean, it, it didn't even exist. Uh, and it took me a long, long time before I even realized that such a thing existed. I learned that on television, not in practicality. I knew of three blacks, and I saw they were a different color than me. They were all adopted from Africa. Today, Norway is a little bit different, even my town, but that's when I grew up. It tells you that I'm starting to get a little old here. But I played with them, and I never would think that somebody with different color would have different value. Some of that didn't even exist in me. And then I watched movie, but to some degree, you maybe think now, well, that was just a movie from that time, or I saw things from America, and I was like, this is very strange, but it's kind of a, almost fiction. This is a movie. Until eventually, I think when I came, uh, I, I came to Los Angeles first, when the bloods and creps and the tension that was going on and the gang war in Los Angeles, and so helicopter here, I'm a young Norwegian uh, coming to a city that almost have twice the population than my whole country, Norway. And, uh, 19-year-old coming to America. Los Angeles was the first place. And later on, I came to the South in 1985. And I still remember in Selma, Alabama, because again, I just talked to people. I was friendly, and that's who I am. And I talked to a black young lady that I met and just started to ask about her city and spend some time there. And we were going to do, in a Presbyterian church, we are going to do this drama play. And somebody had seen me talking to this black, and that came to the host that was hosting me. And that day at the dinner table, she was, Leif, you do not understand. They are more like animals. Like, they are not like us. And you cannot talk and talk to them like that. And as I was listening to it, I, I was so shocked. It's like, is this a joke? Or, but I realized, and that was probably the first time I, I realized in the system of people that they saw something different. And then over the years, of course, I have seen it more and more, both here in the States. And I have a good experience from Protestants and Catholics in Ireland to, uh, I won a scholarship in 94 to go to South Africa, where we had given a Nobel Prize to Mandela and the clerk. And that was always a big, huge thing for me to be able to be a, even an ambassador representing Norway, something called Kirkens Nerdhjelp, which was uh, mainly the churches in Norway because we have a state church, had a scholarship to represent the Nobel Prize and do a survey. How is this actually? What's going on now in South Africa? And there I got to meet whites and blacks. I stayed in gorgeous mansions and white homes and meeting police. And I went to the squatter camps and prisons and I was able to go all over and that had a very, very big impact on my life. And then Nelson Mandela became one of my heroes during that time period. And I actually stayed in a house that was just a couple of houses away from his. And, and then this journey then as I continue to travel around the world to see what had happened in Cambodia and to see what's happening around the world, it just, I knew it was an invitation for me. Sunnah Muslim, Shia Muslim, wherever there was hatred or prejudice, I knew that I had a calling. And I was to be able to especially stand up for the people that are weak, people are being stepped over, and especially by people in authority where there was abuses and everything else. And so many times I left my home and went into settings around the world to be able to stand in the gap and to be able to represent a God that looks like Jesus. And I think that God has just given me a tremendous favor because I didn't have those lenses. I didn't grow up with those lenses and, and, and somehow they didn't have those walls 
on when it came to, oh, you're one of those foreigners. You're one of those people that don't understand things here. So I could get away with a lot of things. It's like, you don't understand. I mean, uh, you are from like over there, one of those liberal Europeans or this and that. So I, I got away with a lot of different things that I did just being from a tiny little place called Norway and having an accent. And, but as a result of that also, I do feel a lot of my value system was also birth in the middle of it. And I learned also when to be a lamb, but also to be a lion. And the time comes when you have to roar. The time has to come where you're standing up for something. And when that season is there, love looks like something. Absolutely right. Um, you know, with all the unrest in America, it was spurred on by three tragic situations that happened to young black Americans. Um, I just want to name them. The first one is uh, Ahmad Arbery. He was 25 years old. He was a young man jogging in a community in southern Georgia, and he was gunned down by a, fa a white father and a son uh, because he looked suspicious, and he later died in the hospital from gun wounds. We have Brianna Taylor. She was 26 years old. She was a, a EMT, a young black woman, um, was shot by police who stormed in her home as she slept while they were searching for a suspect who was already in custody, and then something that we had agreed upon. There's a tipping point that just happened where George Floyd, he was 46 years old. He was the most recent African-American death due to police brutality. He was approached by police uh, outside of a convenience store in Minneapolis. One police officer, as three others stood by, watched him, knelt on his neck to constrain him to the ground. And after eight minutes, he died due to lack of oxygen. Um, the death was recently considered a homicide. And we saw that in America after George Floyd died, that it was really the tipping point of uncovering the root of racism in our country. And that is what this podcast is about, is we're going to talk about some questions that you guys have actually submitted and have been asking us on many of our social media platforms. And we want to try to help you either gather language or to even have these conversations in your family and in your church. And one of the main questions that we received is, um, what should followers of Jesus do and how should they navigate the current racial unrest? I think that one of the most important thing for us uh, is always when you're seeing some of the things that is broken is to be broken over the things that is broken. It is to having empathy uh, and to be able to understand all sides. Uh, I, I cannot understand police officers that would do such an evil, but there's, it's also a side. They're coming from a worldview. They're a certain perspective. And, and I've experienced it myself on several different occasions where I've been in the Middle East and I'm coming home and somebody with a uniform would treat me as trash because we have authority, I have this uniform. So I've met that, and, and, and the way they've humiliated me, and it's like you're a friend with Muslims, or you've been over here, threatened me with all kinds of threats, to even to send me to Guantanamo Bay and, and never be able to see your family, and some of those things. So I have experienced some of the things, but not to the level that I know a lot of the African-American or Hispanic or other people. Then I have a son-in-law that is African-American, and. It did something beautiful to our family. But even there, I've recognized with people, wow, your daughter is married to an African-American. Or when I show a family picture up there, and it's a beautiful family picture. So I started to see some of the things. So how, what would Jesus do? And there's one thing for me is to stand up for them. But it's also the other side of Jesus. is also how do I treat some of the people that do not treat the people that I love well. I think both of those, that's, that's the tension that I'm living in as a Jesus follower. Because I remember the time Jesus says, Leif, why are you prejudiced against people that are prejudiced? Wow. 
and I just again realized that I, I have to watch it because deception is very deceiving. Uh, so I do believe if we are going to be Jesus follower and to do something about it, it is to be able to come from a place of love. I'm not saying it stops there, but it comes from a place of love. That we genuinely love people, knowing that they are lost a lot of the people that are doing this. And then at the same time, knowing the sick people need a doctor. The people that has been broken by injustices. So having empathy is definitely one area. I think in another area is definitely coming in instead of, I wrote a book, Giant Slayer's book, but not talking about the giant, but learning how to talk to the giant. So it's so easy to do two simple things. One of them, I can coming in and saying, excuse me, that I'm, I'm not a racist. And I can prove it, I'm not a racist in every area. But the question is, am I a anti-racist? So it's not enough for me to just to say, hey, I, I can be passive, say it doesn't affect me, but actually even dare to not do something, I am not following in Jesus' footstep. It, so it is not enough just to be a chameleon that changes color no matter what is going on and saying this is not going to affect me. It does affect you. When somebody in the family, and that's when I saw and I was thinking about with George Floyd and I saw what was taking place to him, if that's my brother. And this is what they're doing to my family, or thinking about his family, or seeing the people that are around, and to see what's taking place. I think that then as Jesus followers, instead of what we sometimes are trying to do, and I've heard some people that want to be political correct, and that, that saddens my heart because we're not following in Jesus' footsteps. And the very religious spirit and the political spirit to crucify Jesus can easily come upon us and we're coming up with excuses or trying to explain this away. And I do want to repent even on the podcast because a few years ago when there was a similar case that was going on, I know uh, people say, well, black lives matter. And, and just to me, if it was just, I just said out again, I said, well, life, I mean, all lives matter. But I realized today it's, it was a very wrong statement that I said, it's not that I don't agree that black lives matter, but my son gave me an illustration. He said, and my dad, he said, if, if a different house, you have one house in your neighborhood that is on fire. And... So it doesn't mean that not all of the houses matters, but the one that is on fire, that is the one that matters. And that's what we need to do something about. And it's very clear that we have seen and watched, you mentioned three of these cases. So as Jesus followers, the following Jesus is the coming in there. And first of all, now identify with those people and to do something. Second of all is now to stand up and to say something. Not just be quiet to say something. You do come from a place of love, but you're also coming from a place of authority. So as a Jesus follower and say, we're standing with you. I'm not coming to say, I'm just praying for you. I'm also standing with you. And if the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us because we are family. And this needs to be part of us that it's impossible for you to hurt without me hurting. And if they hurt you, they hurt me and they hurt my family. And that's what the solidarity that Jesus came in, that came in and captured that with people and so I think that that's a couple of simple steps pray stand up and also say something do something there's a time to just pray but there's also time to just do something faith without works is actually dead in this case yeah absolutely I love that um in these situations I mean you can even talk into the church and and even in the government and businesses whatever level but how is unity achieved in this situation you have a lot of different political thoughts jumping around right now. Everyone has their own opinion on how to bring peace to this. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the basic foundation for unity is honor. And I think it's one of the things that God has given me that has given me a lot of favor 
brought with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, favor with God and favor with man. And that is connected to honor, honor. How do you honor well? Honor is what love looks like. So I honor the poor. I honor the rich. I honor Muslims. I honor. So what I mean with that, instead of saying, what is it that divides us? What is it that we have in common? What is it I have in common when I'm seeing a Jewish father? And if it is bombs that is hitting them uh, in, in Israel, what do I have in common with them and what, how to build a bridge? But also, what do I have in common with some of the Palestinians that is out there? What do I have in common? And I can sit there with some alcoholics and say, hey, I, I, I was never homeless like you and this and that. But there's something I can understand of a disease that I also had called sin that's something I can build a bridge over to the people. So that for me is... The other thing is that... Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us valuable. He died on the cross because we are valuable. So I think that when I start to honor people and the differences are in people, and that's okay. I don't want people to be like myself. And just using politically speaking, if I'm coming from a conservative view, let me explain to you. I could say, here's the 12 things that Jesus likes about Republicans. But I could also right now do a podcast and say, here's the 12 things that Jesus loves about Democrats. Here, let me tell you what Jesus honors about Republican and some of the value system, but also the tendency of the Republican. So what I'm saying is I'm building a bridge of what I honor instead of dishonor. Honor produces life. Dishonor produces death. And you honor in three different ways. In words, what you say. In thoughts, what you think. And in deeds, in your action. That's what love looks like. Honor in words, thoughts, and deeds. So when there's people that are very different from me, like in my neighborhood, I have a Buddhist on one side, I have a Hindu surgeon on the other side, and then I have a Muslim. Three of our neighbors, I can throw a rock from my yard. There is a Hindu Brahman, here's a Muslim family, and here's a Buddhist family. What is it that I can honor about them and each one of them, and how do I build a bridge over? Because that's what love looks like, what we have in common, and what we can talk about. There's different things. I could come in and say what, because it's a fear-based, what we do not have in common, instead of a love-based worldview. So that's, that's another thing that is very, very important. And then I think it's also when there is indifferences that we will have and everything else, that we can come up with some common solution. And, and I've seen that so, so many different times that I've gone into setting with radical Muslims. We are sitting down. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we starting then, when I speak the language of love, it is a language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that so much. I want you to take a moment and speak into this current generation because what we're seeing is, you know, one of the trigger words that's going around right now is uh, uh, systemic racism. Um, Like there's two pandemics happening right now. We mentioned there's a spiritual and a cultural one. There's a pandemic of racism that's been happening for a very long time. And you have a generation that's just totally fed up with it right now and is and is standing up and asking for people to join hands so i would love for you to take a moment and just speak into a generation um help guide the the young 30 somethings young 20 somethings who are leading this movement into freedom like how can we how can we eradicate this systemic problem i do believe it is very important for people to come first of all with a very clear identity i think that there's an identity crisis that is going on and you will find that Every single time when you have prejudice and what you have, racism, what you're seeing that when 
the young people here, I encourage them to find out this is who you are and come in from a place of identity. And the reason I think that is so, so important, because if not, you're trying to, to, to find your identity by what you are doing and what you are against instead of what you are for. And I, I encourage people to setting a clear plumb line. I'm going to stand firm, but I'm also going to love well. And I think that three of those young people, actually four young people that would be an example for me, is a Daniel. So I encourage people that are watching or listening, excuse me, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was four amazing friends that probably are around your age group. They were taken away from their family and their background, put into a very prejudiced system around witchcraft doctors. And in there, the system was trying to form them. And what you're seeing with them, they never compromise. I encourage you, you can compromise and at the same time be an influencer and to be able to make a difference. But again, it comes into display. You do not love or honor some of those systems and you are standing up and you are fighting for it. But I saw four young people that didn't compromise. They knew who they were. And the first thing, what they were trying to do is to steal their identity. They try even to change the names. And I know there's people that's going to pro try to name you differently than you are. But know who you are. Knowing this is what I'm standing for. And this is what I'm standing up for. This is where I do not compromise. But I'm not coming from a place just of anger. I do believe there's room for a holy anger that comes from this very place. Because some of that passion that is in there, that is burning in you, needs to be used in the right way. And the other element, when you know who you are, now you can start to see who other people are out there. When You can only love your neighbor if you love yourself. Come from a place of receiving how much God loves you. But for me, it's very, very simple because I see how much God loves people. It's impossible for me to be prejudiced against blacks when I see how much God loves blacks. It's impossible for me to be prejudiced against Mexicans and even when they're coming across the border. And I've seen them, I've met with them, but it's an impossibility when I capture God's heart towards them. So if we are believers and we are following in Jesus' footsteps, uh, you can make a difference. I'm just a young Norwegian, used to be a drug addict, didn't have much of a hope, but in the middle of it, God says, this is who you are. And then out of that, I've had the honor of traveling to 102 countries and in all kinds of situations and crises, I've learned to practice the language of love. But that doesn't mean that I don't stand up for something. I've been standing up for Muslims when persecution came against them. I've been standing up for Christians and just recently with major persecution again against Christians, we've been standing up for them. And we've been standing up for different people that the system was coming against. So you can stand up and you can dream with God and you can come together with other people and you can make a difference. You are a difference maker. You can make your voice be heard and do not have any to put the lid on you and says you can't and I believe another thing is to have hope you have to think in generation I think that the danger when we are young is just we think that it is today or tomorrow but it takes time to change but you can be a generation to see racism stop you can be that generation because that some of you will influence the classroom, some of you will influence in politics, some of you will run businesses that will be so diverse and you show a model when people see the profitability. Some of you will come up with podcasts. Each one of you carries something, a special sauce that the world needs and deserves to taste to see how good God is and how valuable you are. And I think that each one of us uh, I think the best picture I can see is somebody yesterday told me, it doesn't make any difference, it's just me. And I feel like with an evil system that it is now, one person told me, a young person, he says, I, don't, I just feel helpless and hopeless. 
And I said the, the story that I remember from Mexico that the whole ocean, uh, excuse me, the whole beach was just full, was fish all over the beach. And this person went there and he, he was so overwhelmed. And then finally he went and he took one fish that he saw was a little bit alive, threw him out in the ocean. Then he took the next fish and somebody came up to him and said, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter, don't you see? There's so, so many fish dying up here anyway. And he says, it does matter. It matters to this one and this one and this one. So enough of us finding some of the dead fish or almost dead fish and then even to take the risk to do something about it and starts to do what you can do to bring it into the ocean where they can become live again. So you do make it different and you do make it different for the one. And that one you don't know that can be the next Martin Luther King Jr. That next one can be the next Nelson Mandela. The next one that is there can be the next Mother Teresa. And I could just go on and on and on. So you can make a difference. And don't say that small, because small is the new big. That small little thing, your little voice, will make a difference. So I just bless and encourage you to dream so big dream that there's room for God in it and that you're going to need one another for, for us to be able to see this happen. Well, we are so incredibly grateful for your insight and perspective on this matter. We only have just a few more minutes, and I definitely want to end in a prayer. Um, but in Corinthians, we are entrusted with Jesus's ministry of reconciliation. And you often say this, that you dream of a day where all sons and daughters are reconciled to the Father, sons and daughters of glory. Um, I love that that is a dream of yours, and that includes all people. The kingdom is not prejudiced at all. <laughs> and so would you just take a moment and share into um, the, the ministry of reconciliation and what it looks like for us to be an ambassador of Christ and to, to work out in that ministry? Yeah, and as I was saying, one of the things that is a great honor, and in my office I have several different plaques. One is from the president of Pakistan. One is from the prime minister of Kashmir and other places where it says an ambassador of love. And, and this is totally connected to these verses to be a ministry of reconciliation. How do I represent the God before the world? But how do I represent the people that are broken and represent them before God? So a ministry of reconciliation, it is a priestly realm that all of us as Christians have. We have a kingly realm, but we also have a priestly realm. And I think that it is so beautiful even to standing in the gap for people and saying, not on my watch, not on my watch. And is sometimes it has to do with our view. Like today, I'm going to go where there is a march here in the city. I just found out a few minutes ago. And I'm going to go there to be able to stand with some of the people, the peaceful demonstrator. I'm going to say, I'm going to be here to represent a good God before you and supporting you. And I'm representing your cry and your brokenness and the pain you're feeling. I'm representing that before God. And if there's things that you deserve that you do not do right and the pain that you have, I'm asking God, and that's what prayer of an intercessor does, of a ministry of reconciliation. Could you rather put that on me so that you can experience freedom? That's what Jesus came to do. He was the ultimate minister of reconciliation. He was the first ambassador of love. He was sent by the Father to come down and to restore people back again to God. But to do that, he connected with people. He could feel the pain of the people. He loved sinners. He loved what was broken. And then he came in and he became broken with those people. And he could identify with their pain. And, and then he helped them. And he said, this is not who you are. And he took that on himself. And then later on, he said, I'm going to go to the Father now. And the same Father said, me, I'm going to send you as ministry of reconciliation, that you do not hold the sins against them. But instead, what you do, do you start with a compassion 
caring about them and starting to say, Papa, could you just give them what they don't deserve? Give them your grace, your healing, your love and everything else. And then I go to those people and I suddenly feel their pain and everything else. And I place that up on my father and say, Father, you need to help me. This is too painful. This is so overwhelming. The brokenness that is around, bring healing. And you start to stand in the gap. And you're changing the atmosphere because your atmosphere has changed because you came from a place of love that love God and you love people because you have you learned to love yourself the way Papa God loves you. And then from that place, you get to minister to the most broken parts of a society. And wherever the enemy came to kill, steal and destroy, we coming in and to give them life and life more abundantly. That's who we are. Absolutely. Leif, thank you so much for your perspective it's always so refreshing and I, you know, we're all asking the same questions of what can I do, little me, and what does it look like to stand up and to voice my opinion? But um, friends, I hope that you have gained some more knowledge around this subject on this podcast. Send us an email. Let us know what you're thinking. And please, if you have any questions, we'd love to help answer any questions you might have. And we hope you go away asking some of these questions to yourself, even with systemic racism in your own life. Like, Lord, is there anywhere in my past where I believed this? Is there anywhere that I can repent in my life? And how can I stand with my brothers and sisters around the world? Leif, would you pray for us? Father, I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus for the way you show how much the Father loves each one of us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow, that you are a holy, holy, holy spirit. So in the middle of all of this brokenness, I just ask now that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the very family of heaven, that you will just pour out to this nation your goodness and your kindness and your grace and your mercy in a way we've never seen before that will lead to mass repentance and that is all the way to the top of the leadership to the most broken i just ask even that we need grace right now we need a lot of grace in america you resist the proud and you give grace to the humble so father do whatever is needed to bring genuine humility and especially to leadership i thank you for the example we're seeing with police officers that is just kneeling down and say we have uniforms and we take responsibility with some that were supposed to represent this uniform and we just humble ourselves before you. And I just ask that each one of us will just have that humility and that out of that humility we have access to God's ability. We have access to grace, God's power, God's enablement for us to be able to do what we couldn't do ourselves. And that is to be able to bring life where there is death, to bring healing where there is brokenness, to bring freedom where there is bondage. And I'm just asking even now from the White House to the Congress to the Senate to every Republican and every Democrat, I ask that, Father, that you would bring such a humility in place that I just ask that the leadership will get down on their knees and they will seek your face and they will pray and they will be broken over the things that is broken in this nation and that is going to lead to rain their tears is going to produce rain so do whatever is needed because we do not want you to resist them because they are proud but we do want to see genuine humility that's going to release your ability Father, even at this moment, I just ask that you will be with the family, especially of George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery and Brenna Taylor and many of the family and the people are being affected. Many of the ones that are in jail cells right now, and I know many of them, they were so hurt and did hurtful things, but minister to them at this time period, Father. I just minister to, to everyone that is out there right now and just feel frustrated and don't feel that their voice matters. 
I thank you that each one of those voices, every fingerprint is unique and we need everyone. And I ask that everyone in this season is going to find a place at the king's table. Anything was broken like Mephibosheth, that there's a king looking for them to bring them home. And if the king is looking, we are looking with the king and we want to bring him home. So I thank you, Father, for this time, for everyone that is listening, everyone that is sharing this message. I thank you, Father, that we can make a difference. Bless again America in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Leif.